this week, um, we, uh, we, we pulled back the worship set a little bit and kind of stripped everything down on purpose, and I, I think that'll kind of become clear as we jump in this morning. Um, I've got a few scriptures I want us to just kind of read to get into our hearing, and then we will into the Word. The first one's Matthew uh, 9, 14 through 15. Um, then the disciples of John came to him, him being Jesus, asking, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. Next, we've got Ecclesiastes uh, 3, 1 through 5. Uh, I believe we actually have 1 through 8 total, but we'll get there. Uh, it says, there's an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. The eight-year-old boy in me loves that, I'm sorry. Uh, A time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. A time to search and a time to give up as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear apart and a time to sew together. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Anybody else hearing a song in their head right now? Next week we've got uh, Genesis chapter 8 verses 22. Uh, It says, this is God speaking prophetically to Adam and Eve. He says, and while the earth remains, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Let's pray together and let's get to work. Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning for your work. And I thank you that uh, you're a God who is faithful. You're a God who is righteous and just. You are a God who is holy and good. So Lord, we come to you today. And we come to you to hear from you. We come to you to hear you speak to us. We come to you, God, because we are a desperate people. God, we are a desperate people addicted to your presence, dependent upon your word. And we ask, God, that you would just come and you would, as you've been here with your presence, God, we ask that you would, in this moment, speak to us corporately. God, as As we prepare our hearts, God, let them not be prepared for naught, but rather, God, let the preparation of our hearts be in in anticipation of receiving the seed of your word to be planted within us. God, open up our hearts. Unlock our hearts, God. Enable us to hear and receive and obey your word. God, let us not think that what you're after is sacrifice, but Lord, rather, let us see that what you desire is obedience. Let us be an obedient people. Let us be obedient in our response. Let us be quick in our surrender. That you might be glorified. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Um, 
This morning, we're going to be launching uh, what I'm kind of calling more than a series. Um, we're, we're launching into, into a, a, a special season. Before we kind of get into the message this morning, there's uh, kind of one overarching principle I want us to kind of grab a hold of, and hopefully you saw it a little bit in the, uh, in the verses that we read. So let's, let's grab a hold of a few things here real fast, make sure we're all on the same track together. So we, we have in, uh, in Ecclesiastes, we have this very clear, very, um, very beat-the-dead-horse-clear understanding that there are seasons, right? That there are different seasons, that, that, that there, are, there are times for certain things and times for other things, that, that there's a season, really, um, for everything, and then in, in Genesis, we see that, that God promises that as long as the earth remains, those transitions will continue, that, that there will never be an end to the seasonal transitions. And I think it's somewhat fitting that we're kind of in the midst of that, uh, both physically, right? We're, we're kind of experiencing, we kind of had a nice long fall, really, uh, as a city, and, and now we're experiencing winter. Also, we're, we're transitioning from the quote-unquote holiday season, being as politically correct as I can, holiday season, and uh, we're, we're transitioning from that, and we're moving out of it, and, and that's normal, that God says that is a, a normal progression, and what I want you to see is this, that the reality is that, that each season is different from the one that precedes it, different from the one that will go after it, and yet in this amazingly designed way, those seasons are all dependent upon one another. You see, winter needs to come, but winter, in order for life to be sustained, the earth needs fall to happen first. It needs the leaves to fall down, cover the ground. It needs, it needs that slow transition to prepare the soil so that winter can come and snow can fall, break down the, the leaves, the foliage, the, the stuff, some animals that are needed to be kind of not there. God's designed them to hibernate through the winter for the most part. And, and, and the ground is prepared and the, the nutrients are put back into the ground because of the way that the snow falls, breaks up the, the, uh, the, 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 the foliage, the, the roughage that has fallen in fall that as that happens, the ground is re, kind of revitalized in a sense. When spring comes around, everything warms up. All of that sinks down into the soil, begins to break it up so that, so that seeds can fall in the springtime and get down deep into the ground so that then when the summer months come around, hello somebody, it's nice and hot and dry and those seeds can germinate and can flourish and come up and then, and then, then fall comes around, harvest time comes around and, and we're able to reap all of that and, and uproot the soil. Now the soil's all beat up, broken, busted and disgusted and so then fall comes around, leaves fall down again, snow falls down and the whole cycle begins itself again. Seasons are designed by God. We all jiving on that? Can we agree on that? Okay, good. So what I need you to see, though, is this, that what is a blessing in one season is a curse in another. Snow in the middle of winter is fine. We're good with that. Some of you are more good with it than others, but we're, we're for the most part, we get it. That's just part of the deal with winter. But snow in the middle of July would throw everybody off a little bit put this even more bluntly, certain things go in certain seasons. They're just right. Santa belongs in winter, right? Because Santa in a Speedo is nothing anybody wants to see. Okay, there's some things that are right in certain seasons that are wrong in other seasons. I don't get how Australia does. I don't, I don't understand. 
I don't get what Santa's doing in, down there, but I, um, that's another message. So we get that, right? We understand that there are seasons. We all together on that? Okay. Go to Romans chapter 13, verse 11 with me. Because I need us to see something beyond just that. So we get that there are seasons. But now I need you to see Romans chapter 13, verse 11. It says, besides this, you know the time. That word time could just as easily be translated season because that word time in the Greek is the word kairos, which means a specific time. It's not just general time like it's 6 p.m. or or whatever time it is right now. It's not just general time. It's a specific time, a set-aside time, a, a special time, a season, you could say. He says, besides that, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to you now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. What's Paul saying here? Okay, big picture first because I know I'm going to get emails if I don't. Big picture, Paul's talking about the fact that before you are regenerated, before you experience salvation, there are things in your life that you will do that, and now give, me some, give me some room here for a second, that are, that are appropriate because you're not saved. It, it's a conversation I remember having a lot with teenagers. Um, I, I would have, typically they were good homeschool kids. They would come to me and go, um, I met this kid and I'm really worried about him because he's smoking marijuana. What do I do to get him to stop? And the conversation I had to try to have with that young person was typically, um, there's nothing you can do to get them to stop. They're not regenerated. They don't have Jesus living in them. Their job is to sin. That, that they are, the Bible says they're a slave to sin. Their only hope is Jesus. You don't need to hold up signs outside their house saying, put the bong down. You need to share Jesus with them. Because in, in, in experiencing the regenerating work of Christ, in, in knowing His forgiveness, in, in being enveloped in His love, in being reconciled back to Christ, that's when transformation happens. They're no longer a slave to sin. They're a slave to righteousness. The bong will take care of itself. So big picture here, he's talking about the fact that salvation has come to you. The nighttime's gone. You're walking in the light. Stop trying to live like you're in the darkness and embrace the fact that you don't have to stub your toe, come on somebody, on the night table anymore. Nighttime's gone. Daytime's at hand. Let me apply this a little bit to us, though, who have experienced that already and who are walking in that and who are engaged in that journey. I think Paul here is also trying to say this. He's trying to say, okay, we, we, we understand that there are seasons, right? And that their transitions are a, are, a, are a natural thing that will always happen. But also, I think what Paul's trying to say here is this. 
that there is a need for believers to be aware of the season they are in. That there are things that are appropriate in some seasons, hello, and not appropriate in others. Believers. What I mean by that is this. There are things that are good and righteous even. That are good in one season and profitable in one season and not profitable in another. So this morning I want us to try to look at some of this and understand, if I can just put it bluntly, that I believe as a church we are in the midst of a changing of seasons. If you've got your Bible still out or your flat screen still out, if you'd go to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah 61. Now, let me preface Isaiah 61 before we get there. Um, In Luke chapter 4, Jesus fasts for 40 days, is tempted by the devil, filled with the Holy Spirit, overcomes the temptation, and comes back into uh, civilization, if you would, and begins preaching and teaching in synagogues. And Luke tells us that Isaiah 61 is what he reads. He reads this passage as his mission statement, as his declaration of what he is going to do in the next season, if you would, of his life. For the previous season, he's been a carpenter. He's, he's been an obedient son to his father. Now he has his earthly father. And now he's transitioning, if you would, and he's going into a new season. And he reads Isaiah 61. He reads verses 1 and kind of half of verse 2. We're going to look at Isaiah 61, 1 through verse 4. And I want us to just kind of grab a hold of this and see this. Isaiah 61, verse 1. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me, catch this please, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall, be, they shall build up the ancient, pla- the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Now, I want us to look here. I want us to understand the season we're moving into. So, so we're going to look at this this thing, this Isaiah 61. For the next six weeks, we're going to be in, again, what I'm calling more than a series. There's, you'll understand that as we kind of move through this. I, 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 we are going to take the next six weeks and uniquely set them aside to press into Jesus in a unique way. And we're kind of giving you a, a week's heads up on this to, uh, to, to prepare you to try to, to try to get us all on the same page so that we can make this transition together. Everybody say together. I need to make sure y'all are still with me, okay? So Isaiah 61, let's, let's look through this real fast. I want to look at kind of an understanding of, of this from the perspective of what Jesus was saying. 
So Jesus makes this his, for lack of a better word, his mission statement. His, his purpose in coming. He said, okay, this is what I'm about to start doing. And, and he talks about, he talks about coming with a message that would affect the broken, those in bondage, and those in battle. Now we'll get to how I got there in a second. But I need you to understand that the message of Jesus is not a message that has nothing to do with your daily life. Now, we make much here of the eternal perspective of his message. Amen? That eternally it reconciles you to God. That eternally it makes God your God. That eternally it puts you in right relationship to Jesus. But I need us to also understand that the flip side of that coin, if you would, is that it directly affects your life here and now. That it has transformational power to the way you think, to the way you feel, and to the way you respond to everything that happens in your life. And if it is not having that kind of, 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 of effect on your life, I would suggest in, in as kind and gracious and yet firm way as possible that you check yourself. That you take a look at where you really are and make sure that you have not been deceived into thinking that just because you show up to church, you've somehow experienced redemption. But rather, make sure that repentance has been granted to you and a new life has been given to you, that your heart has been transformed. I I say it this way. If nothing has changed in your life since you've been reconciled to Christ, I I I would have a hard time believing that you've been reconciled to Christ. Because I, he accepts me just as I am. Praise God. Amen? But he don't leave you just the way you are. And, and if, if you were looking for him to leave you just the way you were, you didn't experience repentance. You felt sorry. You might have been scared. But you didn't have repentance. Because repentance is all about confession, contrition, and change. It's a changing in the way that we think that leads to a changing in the way that we live. Amen? Okay, so, so I want us to see this here. He, he comes with a message. He, he proclaims a good news to the poor that directly affects our brokenness, our bondage, and our battle. He says, I'm, I'm coming to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, right? He says, he says he's doing that. He says that he's coming. Verse 1, it says that he was sent to bind up the brokenhearted. First thing I need us to see. Brokenhearted is two Hebrew words. It, it's broken in heart. <laughs> Shocker, isn't that deep? Um, brokenhearted. He says there's a, a brokenheartedness. Now let's reverse these to understand them. The word heart in the Hebrew here is literally the inner self, the inner man. It's the inside of who you are. It's the place where your appetite, your emotions and passions, and your courage comes from. That's the Hebrew word there. Those are the three things that, that, that kind of are, are encapsulated by this word heart. It's the, the, the place, the internal engine that you have and broken literally means to be crushed, maimed, or crippled. Now maybe you haven't lived long enough to to realize, or maybe you've just chosen to to not believe, or, or maybe you've just chosen to put your head in the ground and try to pretend like nothing's happening, but life, and specifically sin, has a way of crippling your appetite. It has a way of perverting your appetites to make you desire things that are harmful. That it has a way of, of leading your appetite down a road that it should not be led down. Sin has a way of, of crushing and bruising and, and maiming your emotions so that your emotions, catch this please, lead you instead of you leading your emotions. I want to make sure I'm clear. Emotions are given to you by God. Jesus had emotions. The Bible is Filled with references to God having emotions. I need to, I 
have to chase this a little bit. There's this teaching inside of the church. Have you all heard this? Like That there's good emotions and there's bad emotions. Good emotions are when we feather our hair and pet sheep. Bad emotions are when we get frustrated or angry. Good Christians only have good emotions and we don't have bad emotions because bad emotions are bad. That's why we call them bad. Reality is the Bible says that God gets angry. Jesus got angry. Jesus got so angry that he made a whip and chased people out of the temple. It's not that there are good emotions and bad emotions. It's that emotions, when they are allowed to lead us, lead to bad things. The Bible says, get angry, but don't sin. Let me, okay, you all aren't getting this. Any God who would see genocide, any God who would see the wickedness and sinfulness of man and not get angry at that is not a God who possesses holiness. So the problem with with sin is that it, it maims our emotions so that our appetite is wrong. We desire things we ought not to, and our emotions are leading us rather than us leading our emotions. Now we're going to unpack this a lot as, as the weeks uh, unfold here in the next six weeks, but, but I need you to just understand that it's sin and the fall that causes that. So it has a way of, of, of changing our appetite. It has a way of, of, of corrupting and perverting our emotions. And it also has a way of robbing us of our courage and of our faith and of our hope. As you fall into sin, you are less courageous in the things of God. So there's a brokenheartedness. And Jesus said, I came to bind that back together. I came to, to set your appetite on the things that you ought to desire. I came to heal your emotions so they don't control you anymore. You control them. I, I came so that, so that you might have your courage back, so that you might follow me into the impossible things that I call you to. That's his message at work in us. So we see that so that his message has, has an effect on, our, on our, our brokenheartedness. The next thing he talks about is bondage here. He says, I, I came to, to, to set at liberty those in captivity. Captivity is literally, when you look at it, it's to be held in bondage. It's to be locked up. It's, if I can put it this way, sin robs you of the freedom that is yours in Christ. The Bible tells us that it is for freedom that we were set Free. I know that sounds profound, doesn't it? It's, the idea here is this. As an American citizen, uh, I am free. But when I break the law, hello somebody, I'm put in jail. And Jesus comes and says, look, because of what I have done in, in the area of sin, because I have paid the penalty, because I have, I have reconciled you, because I have redeemed you, because the price for sin has been paid... There is freedom, come on, from the bondage of sin. You don't have to be bound to sin any longer. You're free. Next he says that he came, he came for the brokenhearted. He came for those in captivity. And then he says the opening of the prison to those in bondage. I was fascinated when I looked at this. Um, this word bondage, literally, in the context that it's used, in the way that it's used, without getting into a Hebrew lesson, because nobody cares. Amen. Um, 
<laughs> Two of you are like, oh, I care. <laughs> the word literally means to somebody who's stuck in a battle that they didn't start. What a, I don't know if there's a better picture, really, for sin. Like we're, we're bound because of, what our, because of what our first parents did, Adam and Eve. We're bound in a struggle for sin that the reality is, is going to be for our entire lives. You are, you are stuck, locked in a battle with sin. If you thought, well, I was just going to pray a prayer at a, at a crusade, and then I thought I'd never struggle with sin again. That's not the truth. The truth is there is a battle that we're stuck in that we're, we're stuck in not even just because of what we did. Now let me not push all the blame off on our first parents, Adam and Eve. We all sinned in them. And we've all continued in the sin that we were born in. And Jesus says, look, yes, there is a battle that you are locked in because of what somebody else did. But also, come on please, also because of what somebody else did. Hello. There is freedom from sin. I don't buy into a gospel that says that we're just stuck living the way we used to live. Come on, I believe that in Christ there is a freedom from sin. Just like there was, there's, a, there, there's a victory over sin. There's a freedom from sin. There's a, there's a mending from sin and its effects on our life. Amen? And so we see this. We see how he comes and how he goes through this. Now here's, here's the catch. Here's the... Here's the Here's the rub. Here's the push for us. We move on from there into verse 3. He talks about, okay, he came to do all this. He came to grant this to those who live in Zion. And then he catches this place. He says, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. The journey and the the process with Jesus is not a one-time overnight thing. Can we just get that out of the way? There is is this thought and this thinking, and and, and I'm being very bold in my calling to us to experience transformation today. Amen? I need to hear it. (laughs) But I don't want us to, to think that that message is one that says, shape up or ship out. Rather, what I'm saying is, and what I believe the Spirit is saying and what the Scriptures teach, is embrace and engage in the experience of exchanging what He has, His life, for our death. His mending for our brokenness. Come on, somebody. His freedom for our captivity. His victory for our battle. And what He, what he lays out here in these verses in verse 3, is that exchange. He says you're going to exchange, come on, your, your ashes for a beautiful headdress, your mourning for the oil of gladness, your, your, your faint-heartedness, your faint-spiritedness, your weakness for my praise. Can I, can I apply this a little heavy today? What he's saying here is this, I'm going to give you a new way of thinking, a new way of feeling, and a new way of responding. That is fundamentally going to change your life not because it's going to change everything out there, but because it's going to change everything in here. If you, if, you, if you think different, and you feel different, and you respond different, you're different. That's the experience of transformation. So what we're going to do is take the next six weeks, and we're going to be looking at that. We're going to be looking at this passage and that, that experience. Now, why am I calling it more than a series? 
because it's going to be more than just us opening this up and looking at it together. I believe with all of my heart that the next six weeks have the potential for us to change and set us on a course that has the ability to lead us to places we've never been before, personally and corporately. So, so let me answer a few questions here. We're, we're launching into this more than a series. What we're going to be doing is I'm going to be asking us to take the next six weeks and uniquely set them aside to press into Jesus in unique and different ways for us as a church. To take some time personally and corporately to engage in this experience of transformation. Part of this is going to be fasting. And so let's, let's look at this here. I'm going to answer the big, the big five questions. Who, what, when, why, and how, okay? Can we do that real fast, last ten minutes? Can we do that? Two of you are cool with it, so I'm cool with it. Um, who am I talking to today? Uh, my hope, my heart, my prayer, honestly, is that I'm talking to all of us as a church. I know that with the snow and with the season and with people still traveling, some people are missing, this will go up on the podcast and we're going to make sure that we, uh, we let people know they need to be hearing this if they weren't here this week. I'd encourage you, if you are connected relationally with people who you know aren't here today, make sure they listen to this message. That's not a plug for me. That's because I need us on the same page together. My hope is that it is all of us as a church, whether you're first time here or you've been here since the beginning, that as a church we would do this. Specifically, though, it's for those, and please hear my heart in this, who are not satisfied with their level of intimacy with the Lord. Let me just put this bluntly. If you kind of are like, dude, I'm, I'm cool. Me and Jesus, I'm, I'm happy with how I am doing with the Lord. I think I'm doing pretty awesome. Totally good with the intimacy level I have, with the experience of transformation that I have in my life. I think, you know, I'm like half a notch below Jesus, so I'm good with that. And uh, don't sin anymore, don't struggle anymore, think that I'm pretty awesome. Everyone in my life thinks I'm awesome, so I'm good. Okay, then just come and enjoy some good messages and you'll be fine. However, if there is any part of your life that you are not satisfied with your intimacy with the Lord, what did Jesus say in, 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 uh, in Matthew chapter 9? He said, look, look when, when the bridegroom's with his groomsmen, right? When, when, when Jesus is with us and we are experiencing that intimacy, fasting isn't anything we think about. But yet when, there's a, when there is a distance that we are not okay with, hello somebody, when there's a, when there's a lack of, of intimacy, when there's a lack of his presence, when there's a lack of his transforming power, that's the time where we say, Jesus, I need you. And fasting is the exclamation mark at the end of that sentence. So if you're here, who am I talking to? I'm talking to all of us as a church, but specifically those of you who are here and say, like, look, look, if Jesus doesn't show up now, I'm not sure this is going to work out. So what are we doing? What am I calling us to? We're taking six weeks, uniquely pressing into Jesus and setting aside a special season to listen to him. We're also, this is the, this is the fasting portion. I need you to hear this. 21 days of prayer and fasting with prayer gatherings twice a week and then looking at Isaiah 61 in our gatherings together. Um, how are we calling you to fast? I think I have a slide on this. Um, the, the, how, we're gonna, how we're kind of asking everyone to, to fast. Ways you can fast is what I called it. I remember now. Um, there, there's four ways that you can fast. Um, there's, this is a, a big list, bigger than what I, we're going to call everybody to this week or starting next week, but we'll get to that. That's the next question. Um, you can do a full fast. That means literally you don't eat anything other than liquids for, for 21 days. Um, 
That's, that's like camping. It's intense. Um, that was bad. Uh, that would be a, a full fast. I, I have, I've done some of these. They are, honestly, they're very intense, and they would, they would take some preparation. If you want to do that, if that's something you feel uh, this week that you want to do, I would greatly encourage you to please call uh, my wife or I and let us kind of help you through that, that, down that road and down that path and see if that's something that you might be able to, to want to do. What we're going to be calling everybody to is one of the next three types of fast. The first would be a Daniel fast. Uh, this comes from the book of Daniel where Daniel chose to live this way for a season. He, he did not indulge in any meat, in any sweets, any dairy, or any alcohol. And that would be to give that up for 21 days. To say, you know what, I'm not going to eat any meat. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live like, you know, I, in Portland. <laughs> I'm going to live vegan. Um, and uh, no sweets, no dairy, and no alcohol. I'm, I'm going to choose to set aside this time to, to, to do this, to, to set it aside, to, to make it different. I'm going to not eat this way. We would call you to do that. The next type would be a modified Daniel fast. That's to abstain from any one or a combination of no meat, sweets, dairy, or alcohol. You say, you know what, I, I don't really, I need, my, I need my bowl of cereal in the morning. I need my cream and my coffee. I, I'm, I'm cool with giving up meats. Uh, I'm cool with giving up alcohol, but there's no way I'm giving up dairy. And there's no way I'm giving up sweets. Or maybe for you it's just sweets. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not, I'm going to take 21 days of not eating anything with processed sugar in it. I'm just going to set all that aside. Any combination of those. The third would be maybe you're, maybe you're not in a place where you feel like a food type fast is something that, that you have the grace to do right now. Totally understand. We would call you then to, to do a non-food based fast, which would be to give up a righteous pleasure. I have to share the story as to why I have to say righteous pleasure. Um, this, to be honest with you, and if you've been around Sozo for a while, you know this is something we've done as a church um, pretty consistently every year. Uh, some years we emphasize it more. Some years we've, we've emphasized it less. This year is one we really felt as a leadership team that we needed to emphasize it more and press in more. Um, but I, we've also, my wife and I have done this in our own personal life for a lot of years. Uh, kind of just taking the... The, the first portion of the year and just kind of setting it aside to, to seek the Lord in a unique way and fasting is a part of that and we'll get to why in a minute. Um, and I've been a part of other churches that have done seasons of fasting and I'll never forget a young man coming to me. We're doing a fast and, and uh, we were doing a 40-day fast there and, and 40 days and we we're going to fast together and, and so I got, he was in my small group and I pulled my small group together and, okay guys, you're my small group. I'm the youth pastor. You all have to fast. I'm going to get fired. Um, so I was like, okay, what are we doing? What are we doing? And I like throw down, we're going to do the Daniel fast. That's my family, we're doing the Daniel fast. What are you guys doing? And you got the hyper spiritual kids like, I'm going to fast everything. It lasts like three hours and then he eats a cheeseburger. Um, but anyway, so you, you know, and you got the, all the different kids. And this one kid's like, his, his dad was actually on staff. Um, and he goes, yeah, I've been really praying and I really feel like I'm going to just, I'm going to give up speeding for 40 days. Set that before the Lord. And he wanted like a pat on the back. And I was like, um, <clears throat> speeding is against the law. Breaking the law is a sin. You can't fast sins. <laughs> you should just stop that for good and figure out something else. And he's like, what? So when we talk about a non-food-based fast, what we're talking about is something that is righteous, something that is good, something that's in line with the scriptures that you have any right to do. So I listed some here. TV, internet, caffeine, sleep. And that sounds weird. What I mean by sleep is specifically to say, you know what, uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up an hour earlier 
this week, for, the, for this 21 days, and I'm going to spend that time with the Lord. I, I'm not encouraging any of you to, like, abstain completely from sleeping. People are like, what the heck? Just don't sleep 21 days, see what you can do. Um, you'll see purple elephants. Um, so those are the types of fasting that we want, we would call you to do. We would call you to do one of the three, the, the bottom three. And, and, and what we would encourage you to do, and, and we're going we're gonna to start this, I'm getting to the next question early, but we're going to start this after service next week. And we would encourage you to take this week and prayerfully and carefully consider how you're going to choose to do this. How it is, which, which one of these, what kind of... Uh, piece of these you're going to do. Maybe some of you, it's going to be a mix of them. You're going to say, you know, I'm going to get off social media for the next 21 days. I'm not, I'm not tweaking or, or, or face paging or whatever. And, um, you know, they'd be off. I'm going to be off my phone. I'm going to, I'm going to shut the data off on my phone. Hello, somebody. I'm going to, I'm going to turn it off and I'm just going to press into the Lord. Uh, Mondays, I'm going to fully fast from, from, from dinner on Sunday night until dinner on, on Tuesday morning. I'm not going to eat it all. And I'm not going to eat any sweets during that whole time too. You get what I'm saying here? Mix it up. Have some fun. Um, I just made fasting fun. You're welcome. Um, but we're going to take this time and, and set it aside. We're going to give you next week, we're going to hand out cards that are going to have a prayer, um, a prayer portion on there and some, some, some scriptures to read and some, some guidance in prayer five days a week for you to kind of be able to have that and look at that. And on that, we're going we're gonna to give you a place to write down, hello, Write down what it is that you're fasting, how it is that you're going to be doing that. Um, and we'd encourage you to share that with somebody. H- have somebody to help keep you kind of on a path. Again, I-, I prayed this in the beginning. I don't know. I know it was the Lord this week. Uh, it was interesting. I- on my own personal kind of devotional time, I kind of came to this place where I was looking at, at the differences between Saul and David. And one of the unique things in that story, without kind of preaching a whole other message, is that really... David understood that it wasn't about appearance, that it was about his heart before the Lord. He also understood that it was about obedience, not sacrifice. Saul would do something bad and try to make it up by doing something really, really great and good. And that wasn't what it was about. It was about simply being obedient. So, so in throwing this up there, what I don't want you to do is to be like, well, I'm a horrible sinner, so I better do the top one. It's not about that. It's about being obedient to what you feel the Lord has called you to because I love you, but we're all horrible sinners. So what, when, uh, when is the next question? So the next question, we, we talked about this a little bit. We're going to start this next week. So from, the, from January 4th until January 25th. Now the, 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 the more than a series, the exchange is going to happen from this week all the way until the Super Bowl. So all the way until February 1st for all of you who are not into sports like me. Um, so that's going to be a six-week series here, but the fasting portion we're going to do from January 4th, next Sunday, all the way until after service on the 25th. Um, on top of this, I mentioned we're going to do some prayer meetings. On, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're going to set aside at the loft an hour and a half and ask people, invite people, open it up to people to come in to pray. Uh, Tuesdays is going to, they're both going to be from 7 to 8.30. Tuesdays is going to be in the morning. Thursdays is going to be in the evening. Now, just to let you know kind of what that, what that looks like for us, there's going to be worship music on, and there's going to be about an hour, hour and 15 minutes set aside for you to just come and by yourself with the Lord, press into him. Just spend some time with Jesus, either be it at the beginning of your day on Tuesday, or the end of your day on Thursday. Uh, just press into the Lord, pray, and, and seek him. Sometimes it takes, I know for me, sometimes it takes that kind of disciplined structure, some other people being around to keep me focused so I don't, like, make my grocery list instead of pray. Anybody else? 
And then we'll gather together for the last 15, 20, 30 minutes of that and, and gather up in a circle, kind of pray together and have some specific prayer things. That'll be happening the, the week of, the weeks that we're doing the fast is when we'll do that. Uh, big question here that I want to kind of land on these last two questions. Why are we doing this and how? First off, why are we doing this? Because Jesus fasted. Why do we fast? Jesus did it. So if you were raised in a movement or raised in a denomination that teaches that fasting isn't New Testament, that Christians shouldn't fast, you're wrong. It's okay. We're wrong about a lot of stuff, all of us. But uh, that's not a, 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 biblical, a biblically held stance. We just read in, in Matthew, right, that when Jesus wasn't going to be physically with us, he was like, yeah, my disciples are going to fast, trust me. We should fast, amen? Now, uh, I have this. This is the purpose in fasting. I'm not going to read all that, and, 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 uh, and I'm certainly not going to go to all those references. We'll throw that up online on our Facebook just so y'all can see it and have it. Um, these are some of the reasons, biblically, why we fast. Like, these are good, solid Bible reasons to fast. We, we do it to strengthen our prayer. We do it to seek God's guidance, to express grief, to seek deliverance and protection. We, we do it to express repentance and return to God. We do it to humble oneself before God, to express concern for the work of God, to minister to the needs of others, to overcome temptation and dedicating yourself to God, expressing love and worship to God. These are all good, solid Bible reasons, amen, to fast. We also do it because it's a tool to refocus our soul on, true, on, our, on our true sustenance. But, but there's another reason for me why when we kind of were praying about this year and looking at this year, why I felt like it was important for us as a church to specifically involve this series, to involve fasting in it. And let me see if I can explain this in, in 30 seconds. It wasn't that long ago that we were still bound in what we ate based off of the seasons. What I mean by that is as, a human, as humanity, there was a time not that long ago that in the wintertime, you didn't get to eat oranges. Let's put that bluntly. Like, like there was a time when, you know what, it's, it's not, they're not growing, so we don't get to eat them. And I think that the, the word of the Lord to us right now is this changing of seasons, and I think it's important for us to change the way we eat to kind of recognize that. I know maybe that's a little ethereal for some of you, and some of you are like, dude, yeah. So, so just, I love you both. Um, we need to kind of, I want us to be mindful of this different season. And then the last thing I'll say, how do I believe this is going to affect us individually and corporately? I believe with all my heart that the next six weeks holds the potential to set us on a course, both personally and corporately, that will change us forever. And I don't use that word in any way to try to hype us up. Can, can we just agree on that? That's not how we roll here at this church. I'm not trying to hype us up. What I'm trying to do is, is, is engage your heart. And, and the reason I say that is this. Isaiah, let's go back. Let's end with the Bible. Isaiah 61. Halfway through verse 3. So he talks about, I'm gonna, I come with a message. I come with a message of, of binding brokenness, of of, of, of freeing you from bondage and ending your battle. I, I come to, to, so that we can exchange these things, so you can have a new way of thinking, a new way of, uh, of, 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 of have a feeling, and a new way of, of responding, that they may be called, this is halfway through verse 3, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins, they shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. I believe that's what happens when we experience the transforming power 
of his grace. When we exchange our death for his life, he then uses us to glorify him. And so, I don't just say I believe the next six weeks holds the potential to change everything for us. I I really mean it because I believe in the grace of God. I'm not saying if we try really, really hard, then, no, I'm saying I believe God desires to change us. I believe God desires to, to take the next six weeks and set us on a course of transformation, of sanctification, if I can use a Bible word with y'all, to see us different. I don't know about you, but I'm sick of living with me. I have to live with me all the time. It's exhausting. I'm ready to see more of Jesus and less of me. So I'm excited to take this next six weeks, press into him in a unique way to to move into a different season and experience his grace. Watch him do transformation. Now, again, this is the catch, right? If, if you don't do it, we don't do it. I can give here and talk about it all I want, but if, if you don't do it, we don't do it. But let me turn that coin over on you as well. You cannot do it, and we can do it, and you can miss out, and that would break my heart. So my, my hope, my prayer is that we all engage in this, and we'll be throwing out some resources uh, online to, to help as we move forward in all of this. But this morning, let's stand to our feet. We're gonna respond as we do each day with, with, uh, with communion, with worship, with receiving our tithes and offering, and we also have people here to pray for you if you're going through something and you need prayer. This morning, I, I wanna call us all to, uh, to take some time, even right now, and just begin to seek him and how he would call us, how he would call you to respond to this opportunity that sits in front of you. It's a time for us to press into him. It's a time for us to respond to him. It's a time for us to believe God for amazing and incredible things. So I want to pray for us. Holy Spirit, I thank you for this house. And I thank you for the unique calling and purpose that you have in establishing Sozo Church in the city. Thank you for the unique calling and purpose that you have on each and every individual here and in bringing them into this house. 